Welcome to the Soulish Podcast, and thank you for being here. My name is Whitney Apke, and I am your host. On the Soulish Podcast, we're talking all about the aha moments, the uncomfortable and painful lessons of life, how to deeply connect with ourselves and others, and the breakthroughs, big or small, that we experience in our body, soul, and spirit. We'll dive deep, and I'm so excited to share my experiences and thoughts, as well as bring on guests who are thought leaders and truth seekers. It's my desire to uplift, encourage, and inspire you in each episode. And today, I have a wonderful guest and new friend. Sarah James Carter. Sarah is an astrology and human design expert, and she is the perfect person to spill your guts to, ugly cry in front of, and laugh at yourself with. She is so inspiring and encouraging and loves teaching others what she knows. We talk all about what's in store for us in 2021 and a little bit about human design. You'll be uplifted and encouraged and will breathe easy after she explains the retrogrades and eclipses and the square, which was new to me that's happening this year. Okay, okay, I can't wait any longer for you to listen to my conversation with Sarah. So here it is. And you're welcome. <laughs> no, I, I told it. you it's my fault. It's my fault. I have a Gemini moon. I'm <laughs> I blame it on my entire chart, but, but yeah, <laughs> I'll okay. let you go. <laughs> uh, well, it's so good to have you on and um, thank you so much for coming on. Cause I've been dying to talk astrology for so long and it's a area that I'm not like super like experty in, um, but I'm, I'm trying to learn and understand all. And as you said, it's like a crazy, huge, endless uh, possibilities of everything in the the universe. So, uh, so that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> oh yes. You had a very good question. So it's good. you're, you're more well-versed than you think. <laughs> yes. My, all the, all the reading and Googling has paid off. <laughs> um, I, uh, so I want to dive right in, um, because I want, I want people to be able to in this first, you know, couple weeks of January, um, all my soulish peeps, I, I really want them to be able to vision, have like vision board it, journal it, get ready for this new year, have a fresh start and have something also to look forward to and also to look out for like any pitfalls or anything that could befall us in 2021. And I know that there's a lot going on as far as eclipses and uh, retrogrades and like all sorts of stuff. So I want to dive in. And first question I'll ask you is about the four eclipses that we have. And um, so if you could expound on those and then just kind of answering, like, what is the significance of of each eclipse? And is there any significance to the number of eclipses? I, I don't even know if there's like certain amount of typical eclipses per year if four is the normal or if that's unique to this year so I'll yeah check. yeah so so actually typically eclipses happen between four and six times a year mm. um but the signs that the nodes are in so when i say nodes i mean the north and the south sides of the moon these are going to cycle through about every seven to eight years oh. so this year in 2021, we have four eclipses, like you mentioned. Um, three of those are going to be in Gemini and Sagittarius. 
So mm-hmm. keep in mind, this actually, this pair actually kicked off um, back in June, May, June of last year, 2020. And um, one of these are also going to actually dip into Taurus and Scorpio. So that is going to be a preview of the eclipse energy that we could see in 2022. And so the last time that we had, just to, to kind of give it, uh, put it in perspective, the last time that we had a Gemini and a Sagittarius cycle was in 2011, 2012. Mm. So something else to note here, just for any astrology newbies is, and this is, this is really interesting with when we, anytime we talk about the North and South nodes of the moon is the North and South nodes of the moon will always occur in opposing or polar signs. So every zodiac sign has a polar opposite. Um, so if you look at the zodiacal wheel, or if anyone has their uh, birth chart handy, they can see which signs are polar as they sit directly across from each other. So you can kind of think of this as the, the yin and yang of a zodiacal pair. They can either be extremely complementary or extremely triggering. So, uh, or both, you know, at different points in your life, kind of like what we talked about before <laughs> with mm-hmm. cancer and Capricorn. I'm, uh, I'm, I know we're both cancers. I, I think you mentioned your partner is a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Um, so extremely complimentary, but can also have those triggering moments. Um, but the thing about eclipses is they are incredibly karmic and they mm-hmm. can bring about big and sudden changes or really big turning points in our personal lives and also within the collective. So to give a little more, you know, expansion on the north and south nodes of the moon in general, when you, let's say if we were to look at these points in your personal chart, they are going to tell the story of your karmic destiny and your karmic past. And I tend to have somewhat of an evolutionary flair to my readings where I incorporate past lives, what we have incarnated here to learn or do. And the North Node in a birth chart can tell us a lot about what a person is moving toward in their life. Why did their soul incarnate here at this time? Mm. And what energy are they learning to embody? Mm. And in contrast to that with, with the South Node, the South Node in a birth chart, they can that can give us a lot of information on what your soul is really good at what your soul has mastered in previous lives. And now it's looking to move into that opposing energy. So again, these nodes are going to be sitting on that polar axis. So as an example, I shared that, that, uh, my North node is in Capricorn, but what that also means my South node is in cancer. Hmm. So this is also particularly interesting for me as I'm also a cancer son. So this means I'm really, really, really good at being a cancer. I feel all the feels. I'm incredibly maternal. I'm a homebody. I'm going to protect my own fiercely. Um, But I'm also incredibly soft, sensitive, empathic. And I've had many, many past lives in that matriarchal energy. Um, But this time, this lifetime, it's going to be all about maturity, emotional Hmm. maturity. Um, You know, I need to learn how to, uh, you know, this almost sounds bad (laughs) and I no shade to Capricorns, but I almost need to learn how to turn off some of those emotions and hold them separate from myself. And moving into Capricornian energy, that's 
going to be really good for that. So now let's reframe this back to what's going on in the collective. So let's think about this in terms of Gemini and Sagittarius. So the karmic north node has been moving through Gemini since May of 2020. So that means that the south node has been in Sagittarius. And something that I find really interesting here is Gemini, it's it's an air sign. And it's incredibly curious. It's adaptable. It's it's very quick. It likes to learn quickly. It moves quickly. It's connected to all aspects of the mind. And sometimes Gemini can get a bad rap and, uh, you know, it can be viewed as really changeable. Um, so, you know, some may say that they seem fake or, you know, chameleon-like, and that's not true at all, in my opinion. Hmm. I actually think that Geminis are, in my experience, um, I'm also biased because I have a Gemini moon, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I think that Geminis are incredibly open-minded, they're flexible, they're they're able to see all points of view. Gemini Hmm. is inspiring, and you're never going to be bored with a really strong Gemini. Um, you know, they're quick, they're mercurial, they, this is where it gets interesting. They, they signify local community and local mobility. And what makes this interesting is given what's been going on with the coronavirus and the North Node activating within Gemini. Mm. So it's grounding us, it's, it's grounding us locally. Whereas Sagittarius, conversely, that's been activating the south node of the moon. And that rules our travel on a much larger scale. So think long distance travel, global Mm -hmm. travel, um, global relations. So you can see that it's been really interesting how this has been playing out because obviously, you know, with the virus, we've had global travel restrictions. They've been in play, um, you know, early on in in 2020, um, there is that period where we had to actually shelter in place. So this eclipse cycle, it's basically overturned our relationship with the world, how we interact and communicate, how we travel. Um, And it's been about the search for truth and information. Um, So it's been all about broadening our minds. And I think what's also interesting, just again, being in this Gemini Sagittarius placement um, in conjunction with, of course, what's been going on with the virus is there's also been a lot of concern about misinformation, fake news. Mm -hmm. What is the truth? These have been really big themes in 2020 and is very on brand with, uh, with Gemini and Sagittarius. Eclipses in general, these are going to be points in the year that they bring about big change or really big life events. It's a time of endings and new beginnings. And depending on what zodiac axis the eclipses occur in, what cycle that we're in, it will bring about those strong themes. And they're here to shine a light on this part. It's it's here to shine a light on this part of your life. It's here to shake things up. And every one of us has these eclipses activating a particular part of our personal natal charts. So I'll give an example here for me. Gemini is the ruler of my 10th house of career. 
And these eclipses have been activating that part of my personal chart. So full disclosure, I still hold a corporate nine to five. I work in corporate finance. And uh, this whole year has been incredibly illuminating to me in terms of my work, my career. What do I value in my work? It also is the house of public status and how I'm viewed by others. And that has been a huge thing for me this year. I, you know, I was terrified to, you know, come out of the, uh, you know, spiritual closet, so to speak, and put my face and name on social media, share my newfound spirituality. Um, you know, I, I come from a very traditional Christian household. My, my stepdad is a preacher, the whole gambit. And, uh, you know, these have been total life changers really for me, for me this year. I'll give another example actually with my husband. So he, he actually does not, I won't say he's a non-believer, but he's, let's just say he's not into astrology quite, (laughs) quite like I am. Um, But what's really interesting is the first eclipse of January, 2020, it was in cancer and that South node in Capricorn, it impacted his sixth house of of day-to-day life. It's Mm. quite literally your day job. And he was laid off that very week in January. And what it did, and this is why I have such a respect for eclipses, is it's, you know, yes, there may be, you know, an ending, but there's also a new beginning. There's a new pivot. And it was a complete pivot for him. Um, and, and now he's pursuing something that he's wanted to do now for 10 years and never really had, you know, a reason to jump out on a limb and go do it. And wow. it, it, it brought that attention to that area of life. So even if you don't believe in astrology, it's still going to impact you daily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always say like, if we, as a, as a society, if, if we can admit that the moon controls the tide, it, you know, it impacts our crops. Why is it so hard for us to admit that it can impact our human bodies and our behavior? Energy. Cause it's all energy, right? Moving. Exactly. I have a newfound respect for eclipses. Um, it's nothing to fear. And that's, that's something that my personal style with how I approach astrology or really any of these, you know, more spiritual esoteric modalities is they're not meant to limit you. They're not meant to invoke any kind of fear. There's not a good chart. There's not a bad chart. Um, you know, you're not cursed forever with horrible karma because you were born with this one planet in this place. Um, you know, I really view it as a tool and a way to empower and a way to get to know yourself at a deeper level. And if astrology helps you with that, great. That's exactly what it was supposed to do. So just kind of my take on it. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's also super relieving, you know, because you kind of look at these as like an outsider that's not an expert. You kind of look at eclipses as kind of very dramatic events and you don't know whether to feel positive or or negative. (laughs) And I know that there's lessons that it presents, right? In each one and opportunities and all of that. That's really cool to know about your husband and, um, 
maybe that, I don't know if that opened up his eyes or made him think maybe, maybe there's something to this, but. Oh, you know, it's funny. I'll share a little story. He, so when that happened, I, so I, I actually still book my own readings with other astrologers. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think everybody has a different way that they approach the chart. They might, they might see something in, in my chart that I don't see in myself. And I actually had a reading already pre-booked, um, with another lady that I, that I, uh, see, um, time and time again. And, uh, I had it booked that very week. And I was like, you know what, you need this reading more than I do. (laughs) I'm going to let, let you, uh, if you want to, you can, you can, uh, take my reading and, um, she and I both approach the chart in very similar ways. And, um, she, uh, my husband would kill me if I told y'all this, but I'm telling y'all, um, it, she actually brought him to tears. Um, and I think what is really powerful with, with with astrology, with human design, with, again, you know, with any of these spiritual modalities, they offer, you know, another way of viewing yourself it's enlightening. And, and best of all, I think it gives, it gives you almost a permission Mm -hmm. to be exactly, exactly, yeah, to be exactly who you are. And, um, I think that's what it did for him. It, it, it empowered him to, to know, like, Mm -hmm. I do have these gifts inside me. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe what I was doing before, maybe that wasn't it. And maybe, maybe I, I can, try this thing that I've always wanted to try. And it kind of gave him that, you know, that extra, um, it's a little out of the ordinary. Um, and I get that. I, I have, you know, obviously with my background, I have <laughs> friends and family who are skeptical of it. Um, but I, 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 at the end of the day, I, I really view it as a tool and a way to dig deeper into understanding yourself and your gifts and, ultimately like it's it's not the chart that's doing any of the work it's it's you coming to terms with those things in yourself and then acting upon it yeah it's funny because just we you and I both come from a Christian background and I always thought astrology was witchy Mm -hmm. and it's actually not very witchy it's it I mean if we talk about the star of Bethlehem we don't really know the significance of the star of Bethlehem to the people back in the day, but to the people back in the day, that was a huge, huge sign. Mm -hmm. Like it got three wise men who were astrologers Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, to travel all the way to see baby Jesus. So like, so it's funny because we can have that perspective that something is either evil or witchy or this or that, but astrology is something that is, is woven into many beliefs, if not all beliefs. And I didn't see that until later, until I, I, until I got out of my own way and realized actually this is a super helpful tool and I need to understand this and dive deep. And, um, it's hard with all the information out like on Google. So um, to anybody, I will have a link for Sarah so that you can book a reading with her. Cause this chick is awesome. She is the real deal. She's amazing. And she has such an amazing heart for people. So she's not somebody that's going to tear you up and spit you out and tell you that you're going to die in three months. She's going to, she's going <laughs> to give you, 
going to give you good, good reading that is going to help you to maybe see something that you don't see that you can, um, that you can really feel inspired and encouraged. And so I don't vouch for everybody, but I'll vouch for her. So well, I thank will definitely you. have a link. <laughs> that yeah, means so definitely. much. Thank you so much for the kind words. I mean it. I mean it. <laughs> so let's dive into retrogrades because I see that when I've done just a little bit of research for 2021, I see that Mercury is um is in Aquarius, that the Mercury retrograde is in Aquarius this year, beginning um, in just a you know couple days uh, in January 30th, right? So do my question to you is do retrogrades affect all of us, no matter our sun or moon signs or nodes or anything? Um, and what is the purpose or lessons that retrogrades give us? Are they similar to maybe eclipses in that sense? Another great question. So, and you know, I like to, to kind of give my teaching around how it works as well. So, so you can understand a a little bit better. That's how I learn. I'm I'm a Virgo rising. So I need to envision what is going on before (laughs) I break it down. Um, But I guess the first thing to answer is what is a retrograding planet even anyways? Um, When a planet passes the earth while it's on its journey around the sun, it's going to appear from our vantage point here on earth, like it's going backwards, but the the planet's not actually moving backwards. So that's one important thing here. It just appears that way from our point on earth. So it's kind of like when you're on a road trip and you're passing someone, you're both going forward, but maybe you're going at different speeds. And as Mm -hmm. you look out the window, it's going yeah. to look like the car's going in reverse, but you're both going straight. You're just going at different speeds. So that's that's the way that you can envision you can visualize um, what a retrograding planet looks like. So we do have three Mercury retrogrades this year, and you are correct. The first is coming up really quickly here in uh, January 30th in Aquarius, and that one will last about three weeks. And we will have another at the end of May in Gemini. And then the final one of the year will be in Libra. And that will be at the end of September. And retrogrades, they do affect all of us. Um, so, you know, so at, like I mentioned before with um, the nodes of the moon, everybody does have a placement for all of the planets in our birth chart. So it's not just about your sun sign. So this is one thing that you're going to hear astrologers all the time harp on is that we're so much more than our sun or moon or rising. You can kind of think of it as the the moment that we took our first breath in the world. Mm -hmm. All of the planets, all of the stars, they were positioned in such a way in the sky. And this birth chart that we're looking at, it's basically a snapshot of that. So we all have a Mercury placement in our chart and just another side note on all of this and just to expand upon retrogrades, it's, it's not just Mercury that has a retrograde period, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, they all have retrograde periods too. They're just a little bit more slow moving and not as frequent. So they may retrograde for a little bit longer of a period. So like Pluto, for instance, that's the farthest, uh, I guess people argue if Pluto is really a planet from the base case, but it's our furthest planet. And um, he's also the slowest. So I think this year's Pluto retrograde is going to last about five months, 
versus a mercury retrograde that's just a few weeks. But retrogrades in any sense, there there's something that, again, like I mentioned before, they really should not be feared um, or anticipated with any kind of concern. I like to think of a retrograde as a time to review. We can go back, we can revisit, revise, redo, reorganize. It's the perfect time to reflect and understand what has actually happened during the period that precedes it. Now, Mercury retrogrades in particular, you know, you'll get the the people that say, oh, you know, don't do that in a Mercury retrograde. And Mm -hmm. that's because Mercury rules our communication, um, you know, our technology, uh, messages, contracts. So things can go a bit haywire in those departments. Um, You know, they can get lost in translation, miscommunicated. Sometimes your technology may go a little nuts. Uh, personally, just pro tip, always save your files. I've had many of a financial model just completely lost into the abyss during a Mercury (laughs) retrograde. Um, So I do tread lightly on that. But at the same time, I'm also a really strong believer in manifestation and that it's our outlook and the energy that we put towards something that's going to manifest. So if I'm fearing a mercury retrograde and things will go wrong, I'm going to be feeding that energy and Mm -hmm. things will end up going wrong. Yeah. So I just, I welcome it as a time to revisit the last few months before, uh, reflect, how did I learn more about myself during this time? Uh, what realize, what realizations can I take and grow from this? That's really, again, the, you know, the root of how I like to use astrology, um, it's, it's not the end. I'm probably in the minority of astrologers here, but I don't believe that astrology is, you know, the end all be all. I believe it is an extremely good indicator of energy and behaviors, um, you know, or areas of life that it can impact. I know this because I see it in my own life. I see it in my clients' lives that Mm -hmm. it really does, um, correlate. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we all have free will. We have conditioning our upbringing, our level of consciousness, societal programming, the manifestation that, you know, what vibrational frequency are we feeding? So there's mm-hmm. just, there's a lot of variables involved. Um, but yeah, I, 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 at the end of the day, I like, again, I like to use astrology as, as the tool to dig more into myself, explore those different layers, those belief systems, um, you know, bring awareness to those places and then use it for growth and, self-discovery. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Good to know. Cause I've always been like, Oh God, you know, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen in this mercury retrograde for me. And if it even affects me or, you know, if it's not in my, cause I I've seen in horoscopes where they're like, Oh, it's a cancer, you know, mercury retrograde kind of like it hits you, mm-hmm. you like your specific sun signs. I don't know if that's, if that's actually the case or if that's just false false negative. Uh, you know, I personally would probably look more towards where it's falling in my personal natal chart. So, um, I actually haven't looked at where Mercury is hitting my chart during those retrogrades. I probably should do that, but, (laughs) but that's what I would actually focus on. If you're, um, looking a little deeper into what area of life that may affect for you. Um, like, as a good example here, um, and it 
probably slightly contradicts what I just said, but again, it's something I would just tread lightly, be mindful of. If Mercury was, let's say, transiting the area of life that impacts your relationships, I would maybe rethink my wedding date in that time period. Um, so it's, again, I mean, it's, it, it's up to you and what, and what you believe, how you feed it. Um, but there can be, you know, misunderstandings. There can be, uh, you know, technology that goes hay- haywire. I hear time and time again of, uh, you know, podcasters specifically, like I press the record button and, you know, it disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, being yeah. mindful of those little things, um, but certainly not letting it rule your life or rule any kind of, um, you know, making you fearful of it. Yeah. I was going to say like causing fear and, um, anxiety because that's not something that we're meant to be living in. Right. Exactly. It's not part of our, our defaults. And it's kind of, it kind of goes back to like reframing it, you know, revisiting, reframing, revising, um, uh, reviewing. What did I learn about myself in this moment? Am I handling this appropriately? Am I being professional? It's probably, probably wasn't that professional of me to you know, cry in front of all my coworkers and throw a fit. Um, you know, so, it's, you know, reframing that in your, in your head and, and how you approach it. And so you can do better next time. So. At the beginning of every year, as an offering of gratitude to the universe for all that I have been blessed with, I donate to a charitable organization that's mission aligns with mine. And this year, I am donating to No Kid Goes Hungry. In 2018, over 38 million Americans lived in poverty, and an estimated 15 million of those were children. According to the USDA, before the coronavirus pandemic, more than 11 million children in the United States live in food insecure homes, which means that those households don't have enough food for every family member. Today, projections show that 18 million children could face hunger this year. If this also resonates with you, join me this year in donating to No Kid Goes Hungry. The link is in the show notes for your convenience or go to nokidhungry.org. I wanted to ask because you do human design as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super curious because I know that human design also takes from like your birth um, time, day, all of that into account. And that's how you get like your human design chart, what you are, the four types, if you're a manifester, generator, projector, reflector. Um, And I was just curious for you, since you do both, um, how astrology and human design intersect and is there a benefit of knowing more um, about one or the other or are they both equally, like if someone's curious like me, should they get their human design over their natal chart because they, I mean, it's basically, is it, is, does human design cover all of that or, or should they really get both? You know, that is a really good question. So, um, I'll just kind of backtrack. So astrology, I've been studying astrology off and on. I mean, since I was a kid, since I was maybe 10, 11, 12, 12 years old, I I didn't know I was studying it at the time. I was I was, you know, that little nerdy kid that was really into uh, mythology, Greek mythology, Roman mythology. Lo and behold, those are the archetypes of our planets. Um, But so I I studied astrology off and on 
since that time frame, there were different periods in my life where I dipped in and out of it. Um, and human design, I found in 2017, maybe 2018. Um, and right when I found it, I, you know, when I ran my chart for the first time, I remember, you know, I got super, super excited and into it. And I resonated so deeply with my type, my energy type, with the mm-hmm. system. But at that point in time, and I know that doesn't seem that long ago, I guess that's three, four years ago at this point, but it was really difficult to understand and break down. And there just weren't that many people in the space that were working with the system in a more grounded approach. And so this last year, so this last year in 2020, um, it actually came back into, you know, back to my attention right around when COVID started and, you know, we all needed new hobbies. (laughs) And, um, I found, uh, Eden Carpenter at intuition lifestyle and, it just kind of added that extra oomph, like, oh, this is how, you know, it's supposed to work. And this is how I can apply it. And I noticed that it just, it paired very nicely with astrology. And what I learned was human design, you know, it actually has a lot of elements, uh, like you said, of astrology in the base case. So, um, you know, just to back up human design, it's an energetic system that's literally a complete synthesis of astrology, uh, the Chinese I Ching, the Kabbalah tree of life, the chakra mm-hmm. system, um, as well as quantum mechanics. So it gets a little, mm-hmm. little out there as well, but, um, but, but like the birth chart, it is based, um, on the way that the planets were positioned in time and space, the moment that you were born. But what I like about human design is it gives us an operating manual in a sense. So it's, it's a complete blueprint to your energetic centers, how you operate within your energy, within your aura type. And a lot of these coincide with the chakra centers, which I know that you're very familiar with. And it tells us how, you know, we can make energetically correct and aligned decisions how we're supposed to move and interact through life. It, you know, it sheds, it sheds a lot of light to the gifts that we hold in the areas that, you know, can breed, breed some conditioning or shadow work. And I really like to say that astrology, it's, it's really good at telling us who we are, where we've been and where we're going, but it's the human design component that can actually show us how to get there. So if, if I had to be really honest, if, if you had to pick one modality to focus on and you, you were, you were going to spend all your time on just one, you weren't going to look into either. Um, I, I would actually recommend human design. Um, I think that it's more tangible. It's more practical it's easier to apply in your everyday life. Whereas astrology, you know, it's ever changing, it's ever moving, it's ever growing with you. And it's an amazing tool to use quite frequently as the planets are always moving. So you can get, you know, a reading a month and it's going to be totally different. Um, Human design, unless you're going extremely deep and getting you know, into those planetary activations within your design, you can go for a few, you know, one, two, however many reading sessions you'd like, and then take that information back and really work on integrating your, you know, every, every energy type, but they have a, uh, a unique strategy for how to use that energy. So you can dive into integrating that in, 
you know, in your life as well as, you know, focus on how to make more energetically aligned decisions that work for you. So the man who originally channeled this system, he used to say that it takes, you know, somewhere between, I think, seven, seven or eight years to fully integrate with your design. So if there's one thing that you decide to do, I would, I would actually go with human design, but honestly, that's, that's really what led me to create, um, you know, the signature reading that I, Mm -hmm. I offer now. So I offer a, an, I call it the the astrology by human design, uh, reading. And I find it so useful to understand your astrological blueprint, um, you know, who you incarnated here to be and, intersect that with your human design. So it just gives you a more complete picture of yourself and understand how to get where you want to go in life. Um, you know, it's a lot of information and I break each one down in, in a pretty instructional way. So, you know, I'm somewhat teaching like the way that I describe, describe I it now. <laughs> I'm somewhat teaching you how to understand, you know, a birth chart and a human design body graph chart how it's activated for you, how it, how you apply it in your real, you know, your day-to-day life um, to give you that basal understanding so that you can continue your own educational path, um, but also have some, something that's incredibly practical and grounded to apply in your own life. So I I do these, um, you know, recorded, so you can go back as many times as you'd like. Um, And I I do include a pretty in-depth PDF guide that's completely tailored to your energetic gifts and guys like normally because I've been diving in and trying to find somebody to do a reading and um you know also it's about trust too and Sarah her package her um signature package her reading that is both astrology and human design is only 222 dollars normally that's like in a thousand like plus I've I've seen it even three thousand two thousand so she gives you an amazing deal. And you're getting someone who has a good heart. So definitely check it out and I'll have the link too. And she has other readings. If you just want to stick with astrology or you just want to stick with human design, she has other packages that I think are $177. So, and you can gift a reading and all that. So definitely check out her website. I'll have it linked in the show notes for you so that you can go ahead and book your next reading with her because she's amazing. Last question is to talk a little bit now this is this could get heavy but 2021 and just like what we should look out for what we should prepare ourselves for like what's going to happen in 2021 what are maybe like the big things that we should get excited and and all that for so 2021 um I think before we get into that and I will go somewhat quickly because I know we've we've talked a lot on on all of the other points but it's it's really important to know what 2020 has represented mm-hmm. um you know the big prevalent thing this this whole last year has been all about old structures old paradigms they're falling down things are mm-hmm. changing the virus has forced us to slow down and to adapt and pivot in this face of uncertainty um and we recently have, if, if any of your followers, um, you know, follow any astrologers closely on social media, they're probably aware of what we just had happen in December, um, the Great Conjunction. So we yes. had that happen on December 21st. And 
that was where Jupiter and Saturn, they conjoined in the sky in Aquarius. And it's this expansion and knowledge in Jupiter and the structure and challenge in Saturn. And when they met on December 21st, it was really marking a new reality, a new epoch, a new age. And it has that structure of, you know, of Saturn and, and the growth of Jupiter, but it not only was it a great conjunction that that happens it, while it is rare, it's, it, it does happen every 20 years or so, mm-hmm. but the bigger mark in my opinion, is that this was also a great mutation. So we were moving out of earth elements and into Mm. the air sign. And in this particular case, the air sign of Aquarius. So we've been in an earth cycle for the last 200 years or so. So your listeners, you know, they may be familiar with that term, the age of Aquarius, you know, I feel like we've been talking about this since, you know, the 1960s or so. Um, but December 21st, it's it's marking a beginning of this new cycle of air. And so, there, you know, there's a lot of astrologers that debate on what even is the age of Aquarius. But a lot of astrologers, a lot of um, spiritual leaders in general do believe that this is marking us into that age, that age of Aquarius. And we've got the great malefic planet, um, Saturn. So you can think of Saturn as this archetypal father. He's the Lord of structures, restriction, responsibility, and you've got the great benefic planet, Jupiter. And Jupiter is all about expansion, abundance, growth. And this marking an end to the earth cycle, you know, this was really spent in the helms of the industrial revolution. So think mm-hmm. fossil fuel, steel, planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, you know, think of how far we've come as a human race since, you know, the 1800s. And now we're moving into this progressive air sign. And, you know, even if we think in just terms of energy, you think, you know, think more solar, renewable, um, clean energy, frequency healing, um, You know, we, you know, we've got, uh, you know, these waves that are going, they're they're running through the air, you know, the invisible waves that we call 5G, that we connect to the internet on. You know, that's, that's very Aquarian energy, very air, very air energy. And so we're going to see a lot of um, progressive thought leaders, but also, you know, a technological revolution as well. I know we've we've been in a technological revolution since, you know, the internet started, (laughs) but we're starting to see this become more rapid. And I think, you know, this decade, we're going to see it even faster than, than we have before. Hey, it's me, Wit. Did you know that I'm a certified life coach? I have been coaching and mentoring people for over a decade now, and I specialize with issues of the soul and focus on inner freedom and manifestation. I can help you realign with your values and purpose, break free from emotional blockages and negative thought patterns, and you will feel motivated and encouraged to take the necessary steps to live a fulfilling life. We all need support and someone to cheer us on or hear us out, and it would be a privilege to be a part of your journey. 
My sessions are designed so that you are free to address whatever you feel is most important. If you are interested, go to WhitneyApke.com forward slash coaching and sign up for a free 30-minute call. I can't wait to work with you. So does that mean like more space travel or like going beyond the earth? <laughs> I think it definitely could be. I I mean, if you look at like Elon Musk and, uh, yeah. you know, Jeff Bezos, those, you know, really the technocrats, they're leading us into a completely new territory. I said, mm-hmm. I actually sat on a talk with Jeff Bezos. And when I was in grad school, he came to our school and, uh, and he did a talk. It was really interesting. Um, but his talk was not about Amazon or supply chain or anything like that. It was all about space travel and what he wants his, you know, his marker to be left in his legacy is he wants to educate the generation that's going to get us there. It's going to get us to Mars. So he doesn't think it's going to be in our lifetime per se. I mean, at this point, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by anything at this point, but, um, but the fact that that is something that mm-hmm. he talked about so yeah. casually, like, oh yeah, it's happening. I'm funding mm-hmm. it. We're going to, we're going to go to, we're going to go to space. Same, same with Elon Musk, but he's, right. I know he's, I was reading an article this morning about how uh, intense, you know, he's he's whipping his his employees to to get to get those spacecrafts um, yep. built. So yeah, I for sure think that that in, in a decade, I I think we're going to see something for sure. It, it, that also kind of brings me to this other that I think your listeners, especially if they're based in the U.S., would find it interesting. Um, is Pluto. So like I mentioned earlier, Pluto is, it's the most slow moving planet of, of all of the, the planets that we typically look at in astrology. And right now it's moving through its final years of Capricorn. Um, so again, Capricorn, it's going to be somewhat of a similar vibe to Saturn. It's it's, you know, that archetype of order, traditional structures, responsibility, paradigms. Um, and it's also moving into progressive Aquarius with Saturn and Jupiter. And, uh, you know, this is happening on a global collective scale. But um, what I find really interesting is this is happening at the same time as America's Pluto return. So Pluto, you know, this... Pluto makes a revolution around the sun about, I think it's about every 248, 250 years. So 250 years ago was the American Revolution, 1776. Um, And, you know, America, (laughs) this, 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 this Pluto return, it's very much symbolic of deep transformation. You know, it's Mm. pulling up the dark sludge and essentially being reborn. Um, You know, I think over the course of the last, you know, the last several months, especially this last year, you know, we've been having birthing pains (laughs) as an American society. We've been having contractions. We are ready for this new world, this new, um, this new normal. We, we, things have to come down. You know, if we think back on what I mentioned 
the whole theme of 2020, it was all about structures coming down, these paradigms coming down. And that's, that's what Pluto is. Pluto is, it's not just the, you know, everything destruction. It's, it's also all about the rebirth. And we're kind of at this, at this turning point where we have, we have this opportunity to, to change, to, to be molded into something new. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so yeah, it's, it's interesting though, just, just given, given the whole, uh, you know, coronavirus pandemic um, as well as, you know, it coinciding with this progression into the age of Aquarius. It's, it's, I mean, again, astrology, it never fails to, (laughs) to surprise me. Um, And the other thing that I will say that is really, this is kind of the main, I don't want to say it's the main star of the show for 2021, but it is going to be a very important uh, aspect uh, that's going on. And when I say aspect, it's, it, I basically mean uh, the way that certain planets are interacting in the sky, causing tension. Um, so in 2021, there will be a square between Saturn in Aquarius and Uranus in Taurus. And so a square, when you hear anybody in astrology mention squares, this they're just referring to an uncomfortable, tense aspect. They're butting heads a little bit. Um, you know, they want to go one way and you know, the other wants to go the other way. Um, and these are going to be in both, both fixed signs, Aquarius and Uranus. They're, they don't want to change. They want what they want. And Saturn is about restriction, but it's in this progressive humanitarian sign of Aquarius. And Uranus, he wants freedom and he wants liberation, but he's stuck in this fixed Earth sign of Taurus. Taurus is going to be all about stability. Again, they don't want to. They don't want to change. They don't like change. Um, so you see this theme, you know, of contradictions. It's contradicting energy. And you know, it's kind of like when you're, you know, you're when you're a teenager, you're coming of age. You want to stay in your little bubble, but your parents are forcing you to grow up and face the real world. That's that's kind of what this <laughs> this tension looks like. Um, you know, and it'll bring up issues globally about restrictions of freedoms, um, you know, I anticipate we could see, you know, more protests, more riots, more demands for freedom. Um, And this is going to be a time, you know, for we, the people, to really be mindful about this restructure, which freedoms must we have, which structures are needed, and what structures, you know, can be changed or can be torn down. Um, in my opinion, and this is probably controversial a little bit, but I think privacy is already over. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I think it has been for, for a long time, you know, especially with the onset of social media, oh, yeah. um, you know, they have, they have our data already. We, they have, they, they're, they're currently, you know, Track, tracking us to figure out what kind of ad to to send, uh, you know, to our newsfeed to purchase. Um, but I think with, you know, especially with COVID-19, there is a real possibility that 
you know, with this energy that we're, we're presented with that health records, they can be, you know, more widely available health freedoms may be up for, for question, um, and up for, for, for restructure essentially. And this goes back to that point that I mentioned earlier, that this is really a time for us to define our new world, what structures must we have and what must come down. So I think that we are just at the beginning of utilizing cryptocurrency. I can see that that like this really being the year, or I guess 2020, um, that really kick-started the, we'll call it a movement towards, uh, you know, more widely accepting that. Um, so yeah, I think those are going to be really big thing, themes that we continue on. If, if any of your listeners are, um, have businesses online, I think that this, you know, this Aquarian energy, this, this really potent, uh, air sign energy, it's going to be really supportive of that. Um, I think that a lot, we're going to see a lot more business move online, especially as a result of the virus. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the, the the one thing though that I will say that is nicer about 2021. To, I won't say 2021 is going to be you know all rainbows and butterflies, but it's mm-hmm. not going to be as uh, intense as 2020 was. 2020 was it, it was you know all of these crazy things were just happening all at once. Yeah. Whereas 2021, it's going to be a little bit more spread out. Um, it, they're not going to be as layered as, as, as we felt in 2020. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be another year of growth. We're going to, you know, we're going to see a lot of these same themes and see it shake out, but I, I don't think it will be as bad as 2020. So to give, <laughs> to give That's everybody crazy. some hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Sarah, thank you so much for oh, giving us so much to chew on. And I'm sure people are going to be re-listening and rewinding uh, to this episode just to <laughs> just to chew on everything because there's so much. And I know there's so much more than even what you could share in this little bit of time. But thank you so much. We appreciate it. And I definitely would love to have you back so we can talk, you know, all things astrology and human design again, because there's so much to talk about. So I love it. I appreciate you having me on the podcast as well. And uh, I thank you for having me. That was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The Solish podcast is not only a podcast, but a community where we can relate to each other and support each other in our soul journeys. Join the community on Instagram and Facebook at I Am Soulish. That was so much fun. Oh, I love it. I just want to talk to you forever. It's been hours <laughs> and I'm not done yet. I still want to ask all these other questions. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do that to her. <laughs> no.